7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on the show. It is a Thursday, so we like to talk about the business of sport. And tonight we are tackling a topic that's a hot potato at the moment. It has been for the past couple of months, actually, but has once again come to the fore after Banyana Banyana qualified for their first ever FIFA Women's World Cup by reaching the final of the Women's AFCON, which is currently underway in Ghana. Now, this has led to a lot of debate on social media and various other platforms on the pay disparities between the men's senior national team and the women's senior national team with many questioning why Bafana Bafana continue to have more sponsorship deals and receive much more than Banyana Banyana from the FA that is uh, SAFA so we've invited a number of experts on the show that will help us understand why there are such disparities and and uh, when it comes to not only payments but sponsorships of not just Banyana Banyana but just women's sport in general and when I say women's sport I'm talking mainly about team sports uh, has corporate been slow to get off the market is women's sport not getting the respect it deserves or is it just a numbers game and companies look at what they call that ROI, the return of investment which you've had so many times on this feature, the business of sport on a Thursday. Well, Sasol is definitely going to get their return on investment so we will speak uh, to the long-standing sponsor of Banyana Banyana, Sasol. Uh, they will tell us why they've backed this team through thick and thin and uh, what qualifying for the FIFA World Cup now can possibly do for their brand. We've also invited Mr. Kelvin Watt, a director at Nelson Sport in Africa and the Middle East and he will talk to us about the historical factors that have led to these disparities and we're also going to go over to Norway to find out how did they get it right that side because uh, their teams in a Norway are actually now paid equally, the men and the women, the Norwegian Football Association and the Norway's Player Association signed an agreement last year on equal pay in a deal thought to be the first of its kind in international football so we will speak to the Norwegian Players Union and uh, to find out what we can learn from them because they are seen now uh, I mean this was groundbreaking when it happened last year in uh, December so we will uh, speak to them about that and we will look ahead and find out how can Banyana Banyana and Safa now capitalize on this product now that the team is going to France has qualified uh, for the World Cup so please feel free to join the conversation at any time if you are also an expert in this field you're welcome uh, to come on air 0891 our sms line is 40938 our whatsapp number is 0614104107 it's hashtag safm spot on on social media there have also been so many numbers being banded about uh, on how much uh, the banyana banyana players are getting compared to what bafana bafana players are getting some have been very close some have been way off the mark there's also a lot of misinformation that's been going on on social media. You can understand the excitement, of course, of Banyana qualifying for the World Cup, but I think it's important that we also get our facts right. For example, I've been seeing tweets that are saying that uh, Desiree Ellis is the interim coach and Safa must now give her the job permanently. She has been permanent. We fought that fight. We won that fight uh, with uh, a lot of other members in the media. Uh, We did put Safa under a lot of pressure to make sure that they give her the job on a full-time basis because it was a no-brainer. She's a former captain. She was in the system. She worked with uh, 
Desiree Ellis and they took so long to uh, to make sure that she is the permanent coach even after the work that she's done but glad we got that out the way now and they can thank us later Asafa but it's a it's not a thankful job this one that we're in so as long as she got the job and the results are there for everybody to see so let's get that right because I've seen that misinformation on social media and also the numbers about who gets what who gets paid what we're going to speak to Njabulo Ngidi I know he's got the numbers and he's going to tell us exactly how much the Banyana players are getting and how much the Bafana Bafana players are getting so feel free to join us as I said we take WhatsApp voice notes 061-4104-107 uh, SMS 40938 studio number 0891-104-207 we also like to hear from you so please feel free to call us if you are able to after the break we're going to hear from Kelvin Watt Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM Okay, so let's start uh, the conversation by hearing from Mr. Kelvin Watt, who is the director of Nelson Sport in Africa and the Middle East. And he explains to us, as I said, the historical factors on why women's sports struggle to attract sponsorship. And I began by asking him firstly if these comparisons are fair uh, with Bafana Bafana and Banyana Banyana, the fact that people are not happy that Bafana get more money, even though they don't qualify for major competitions, but Banyana Banyana get less and they qualify for these major competitions. Look, I don't, I don't think those comparisons have, have been fair. I mean, I think, you know, historically, Bafana is, is still the most, one of the most powerful sponsored properties in the country, and sponsorship is not completely about performance. I think where it's perhaps starting to become a fairer question in that uh, women's sport around the world is certainly starting to gain prominence, especially at a, at a professional level. You know, we're seeing the rate of change in women's sport is probably one of the most exciting trends in the sports industry right now, not only in South Africa, but around the world. And so for rights owners and brands and the media, this represents a chance to develop a whole new commercial proposition and engage fans in a different way. And I think that's really where we're starting to see a lot of the change take place is, you know, the broadcasters have started to lead the way in, in broadcast matches. And, I mean, we haven't yet got the results from the latest Banyana game, but, but we'll certainly be interested also to look at the, the Nigeria game coming up. And I predict at this stage that we're going to see a biggest ever television audience for women's sport certainly in South Africa, and that's following in strong trends of what we've seen around the world. You know, tennis and golf have led the way in the professionalization and commercialization of women's sports, but more recently it's really been soccer that's, that is achieving significant milestones. There was increasing number of professional leagues around the world. Uh, the UEFA Women's Euro in 2017 attracted a TV audience of 150 million people. Uh, in May this year, we saw a record attendance for a women's football game. I'm not sure if you're aware, but... 51,211 people attended the final of the 16-team Liga MX Feminal in Spain. And this year in the UK, 1.6 million people watched the Women's FA Cup final clash between Chelsea and Arsenal, and they had 43,400 spectators in the stadium. So all of these are new records around the world that have been set, and I think we're going to see that same pattern following from a Banyana perspective. And what that allows and, and what that will start building, I guess, some momentum is a lot of the way that rights are sold. So we'll see an uncoupling of rights where traditionally we've seen a lot in, in around the world where the men's team are sold and if you buy the men's team, you get the women's team with it. I think we, you know, certainly in a Banyanis context, we've seen that a very separate investment by Sassel for a long time. We saw a couple of years ago a significant investment in cricket by Momentum. And, you know, I think we've, you and I have discussed, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they won't be renewing, but I think that's more about uh, their business and what's going on in their business and the disappointment they've had with the women's cricket sponsorship, which which actually was a very, very valuable sponsorship for them. So I think we're going to start seeing just the sponsorship, certainly of women's teams and events grow. 
um, a lot a lot broader and a lot bigger um, around the world, but but in South Africa as well. And I think the really exciting aspect is starting to come into some of the female as, uh, athletes themselves. You know, traditionally a lot of the strength in women's sport has been in, in sports like tennis and swimming and athletics, where it's the individual. Certainly, research in our country shows that our most um, most recognized female athlete is, is Costa Semenya by, by a number of like 75, 76%, followed by Serena Williams and then Portia Medice and people like that who come from team sports. And we see a similar pattern around the world. We've seen some numbers being published and a lot of people are blaming SAFA, the association, for not paying the woman enough. Uh, should anybody take blame here? Is it, uh, should anybody take blame or is it because of the historical issues that you've mentioned? I, I think it's a combination of things. I think, you know, one of the things that you see is is as particular sport, you know, I mean, the, the revenue streams that come into sport are a combination of broadcast rights and, and sponsorship and ticketing revenue and food and beverage and all the sort of numbers that come up to make that salary. And I think up until now, the women probably weren't as commercially viable uh, as they certainly are now. And I think certainly SAFA is going to have to relook that in a big way. Um, certainly, if you look at what's happened in a, in a cricket context in this country, uh, back four years ago, Cricket South Africa put in the, co- the, the contracting um, of the national women's uh, squad. Um, yeah. Certainly not at the level of the men's, but 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 certainly significant. Um, you know, there, there's a number of women that are today full-time professional cricketers in this country um, off the back of what's become a very successful commercial program. And, it, and it's not at the same size as the men's. And, you know, a lot of the big revenue still sits with broadcast rights. And although we're starting to see some sponsorship investment following these teams i think the really interesting one for me is going to be when we see the broadcasters actually starting to pay uh for the rights to broadcast these matches not just broadcasting them that'll start really putting some significant money into the coffers and then we'll start really seeing the professionalization and the sort of earnings capacity of women and we're talking mostly about women in team sports because Mm -hmm. certainly women that sit in individual sports and obviously the tennis players and the swimmers and the athletes and things have been paid relatively well for a long time. I mean, you know, if you go to a sport like Comrades Marathon, I think the women, and I'm not, I'm not 100% of the date, but women have been getting the same prize money as men since about 2001 or 2002 at Comrades Marathon, Two Oceans Marathon, not too shortly after that. So it's really been an issue around team sport. And so as much as you're saying that the associations are not to blame, even corporates is not to blame because it's been numbers that, are, that have been counting. No, I, I think I think in a lot of respects, corporate was slow to react on on some things, um, and I think they they missed some opportunities. Um, you know, a lot of it is about broadcasters only really in the last couple of years uh, ensuring that that female sport was broadcast at the same amount uh-huh. that would then attract sponsorship eyeballs. So, you know, I think it's I, I don't think there's any one particular party to blame. I think certainly the rights owners should have been doing a lot better about packaging up and selling. Um, the, the female properties, both from a broadcast and a sponsorship perspective. Um, and I think they've now realized that, um, you know, we've got to that point. I guess what's been happening is that we're seeing a building of commercial momentum, which is now resulting in groundbreaking and equal pay agreements and things like that that have really allowed that to start taking place. I mean, certainly around the world, in Norway and New Zealand, for example, mm-hmm. the women's national team footballers earn exactly the same as the male teams. Uh, which is which is quite interestingly, and we've seen the same in rugby in Australia has now announced that it pays its men's and women's seven teams equally for the first time. So I, I think it's just about closing that gap, and there are going to be certain sports, there are going to be certain events that are going to be b- better and quicker at doing it, and I think there are going to be some sponsors that are going to react faster and take advantage of the opportunities 
that female sport gives them. Because the one thing that we do see in female sport from a sponsor perspective is it's a very uncluttered space. So, for example, if we think about sponsorship of men in South Africa, depending on what team you support or what events or, or whether you're watching international or local football, you might mention a whole host of footballs, where, where, uh, sponsors. But when it comes to um, female sport, we know that there's only one company backing female sport in that Sassel. So the awareness levels and, and all the other positive attributes that go with sponsorship are certainly all being earned by Sassel right now. And, um, you know, I think we, we're certainly going to see that change. The problem is, I guess, outside of Banyana Banyana, what properties are there for, for corporates to sponsor in this country? And that's up to, you know, if I think there's anyone to blame, for example, in a football context in this country, I cannot believe that the big clubs in this country don't have a female league and that the PSL doesn't have a female league. That's one big question I have for football around women's sport in this country because we've seen through the numbers that Banyana Banyana have have um, pulled over the last five, ten years and how they've grown that we should have seen a, a female league in this country a long time ago and, and football's been very slow to react in that, res- in that respect. And, and hence there hasn't been anything to sponsor. Yeah, that was about to be my next question about a professional league. I'm glad you touched on that. Talking about Sasol, any idea of what this commercial value, uh, of what commercial value does Sasol get from their sponsorship of Banyana Banyana because they've been with this team uh, through thick and thin? I, I'm not exactly sure right off the bat to tell you the truth about what it is. I, I have no doubt that uh, come next week and, and the next time they speak, it'll be substantially more, though, because uh, we've certainly seen Banyana Banyana as a commercial property grow in the past couple of years. And, you know, I think this success and now building into the World Cup um, is just going to make them that much more profitable. I think what's really going to be important for SAFA, though, is to treat the team um, and manage the team from a commercial perspective and uh, make sure that the you know the content that's required to to drive interest in the team and it's, and what else it's doing and, and stuff that it can pass on to sponsors is going to need to be commensurate with what they do with with other things and and so I think that's the big the big next leap for Banyana the next thing that's going to determine their commercial success is is not their performance on the field it's going to be how well they manage the marketing of the team the commercialization of the team how that team reacts uh, to you know being in the public eye, being in the media, etc. And that's going to be the next big challenge for them because certainly the challenge from a performance perspective, um, they've met. And what can we learn from countries like the US? I mean, they, their ladies have been fighting for, for equal treatment. They've got a big uh, women's football culture going on. They've even got soccer moms and all that stuff going on that side. Yeah, look, I, I think, as I said, I mean, you know, we look here and we think that this is a South African issue. This is not a South African issue. It's, it's certainly an issue that the whole world has been grappling with. You know, certain sports like athletics and swimming and tennis have probably been uh, in a better position a long, long time ago in this respect. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, the, the, I think around team sports, we're going to see some some big changes taking place. Um, and, you know, so I think what we're seeing is that it's going to make sense for the existing and the growing marketplace is for rights owners, brands, and other stakeholders currently operating or looking to enter the space and for them to just, you know, figure it out like they do any other sort of um, sport that's, uh, you know, sort of developing into a, into a more commercializable uh, opportunity. So, you know, I think the, the world has changed. I think the, the one big misconception, we did a huge amount of work in 10 countries around the world understanding who supports women's sport. The one big misconception is that women are fans of women's sport. In fact, anywhere we go in the world, we find that women's sport is equally supported by men and women. Um, almost sort of a 50, 49, 51, 52, you know, that sort of 
um, ratio. So it's, it's equally supported by men. Women's sport is not only of interest to women. And I think once sponsors start getting their heads around that, they start understanding that there's no difference to sponsoring men's sport as there are to women. Um, the commercial values are exactly the same. And, you know, at this stage, certainly a lot of the TV audiences in the team sports, you know, we might talk about TV audiences for UEFA being 150 million, um, but that's still significantly lower than the men's equivalent. And so the value of it from an event is not nearly as valuable from a media and from a sponsor perspective, but it has become significant. Um, and so, you know, I think we're going to start seeing that really get, get figured out. Um, you know, and again, I think next year we'll see more records broken with the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, and what that'll do is it'll just make a lot more of the, the teams that are participating in that World Cup more valuable and it'll increase the sponsorship in, in women's sport in those markets. And we'll just see that momentum continue to grow. Okay, wonderful insight there from Mr. Kelvin Watt, the director of Nielsen Sports in Africa and the Middle East, uh, just talking to us about these sponsorship issues and uh, also on these comparisons that have been made between Banyana Banyana and Bafana Bafana. As I said, please, you are welcome to join the conversation at any time on 891 SMS 40938, WhatsApp voice notes 0614104107. It definitely does sound like the gap is closing now and women's sports is rising and uh, it's time for corporate now uh, to take note and get on the band we're going here as we heard from Kelvin Watt with all the research uh, that he's done. Up next we're going to go to Ghana we're going to speak to Njabulo Ngiri sports editor of the new frame uh, just to find out um, about these numbers because I know he's got these numbers about how much Banyana Banyana players are getting how much the Bafana Bafana players are are also getting and we're going to continue the conversation by going all the way to Norway because I did mention um, in the beginning of the show that uh, they made history at that side because the senior men's football team and the women's uh, senior football team get paid equally. Uh, they reached an agreement in uh, the, in December 2017 where there is equal play for everybody. So we'll speak to the Players Association to find out how did they get it right. SAFM leading the conversation. So let's go over now to uh, Ghana to speak to New Frame Sports Editor and, of course, SEB Sport Media Awards Journalist of... What is it? Journalist, Journalist of the Year. It's like Players Player of the Year in football. Njabulo, congratulations, firstly, on your award. We were there. We were also happy for you uh, this week. Ah, thanks, Tavis. It still hasn't sunk in. I'm sure it will sink in when you come back home. You're still hard at work as usual. Before we talk about numbers, how is our team that side ahead of the final? Has the party stopped? Are they focused now on Nigeria? Yeah, I think it, it was good that we are facing Nigeria because obviously after qualifying, everyone was on the high that okay, we'll bridge the main goal, which is to qualify for the World Cup. But there's still a final to play for, especially since we haven't won this tournament. So the fact that we're coming against Nigeria, a team that has tormented us, and the team we beat in the opening game is, is, is good because their players are mentally ready for it because we, we, we need this. I mean, it would be huge to not just qualify, but also win the, the, the tournament. And uh, talking about the final, how big a blow is losing Rafilo Jana, who's going back to a club in Australia? It's, it's huge. I mean, you saw how we played without Heck in the first half against Sikuto Guinea, who were the weakest team in our group. And, and you could see that there was a a gaping hole in midfield because of her. I mean, she 
she's not just a solid player defensively, but also offensively. She offers a lot. I mean, she can play almost everywhere on the field. And she she's just on another level now. I mean, she's the match winner who knows how to come up with, with, with key goals even when we need them. So it's it's a big blow. But I think there's there's good cover in the sense that we've got Mpum who's got experience and Mamelo I think has looked good in this tournament. So we with with what we have, I mean we'll they'll have to make do with it. But it 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 is a big blow. It seems to have caught a lot of people by surprise here back home. Was it something that was known that side by the entire squad? Yeah, it was because uh, she wasn't even supposed to be here because of the... I mean, even though this tournament is under FIFA calendar, most of the teams that are forced to resist players are the ones in that federation's domestic league. So the stipulation, the fact that of the players being released 14 days before the tournament would apply to the players who are applying their trade in the domestic league of that uh, confederation. So with, with, with Fifi, she wasn't even supposed to play in, in the Kosafa Cup. The, her team had asked if can she stay there because the league was about to start and she had just joined them. So they'd wanted her to, to be there earlier and get used to the team. And I think there was a request from the association for her to play, and she played. I mean, she even scored the two goals in the final. So the, the catch would have been that since she played in Kosafa, she wouldn't come here. But there were negotiations, and part of the negotiation was the fact that she would leave on the 28th. Okay, well, a lot of teams, when they get to the final, Jabula, start talking about money, bonuses. Are they talking about bonuses that side? Are they getting bonuses? We did speak to the president earlier this week. He did say that he's got something up his sleeves, but is it clear what it is? Yeah, I think the good thing about this, it was the first time I even saw a structured plan. When when they announced the squad, they announced the, the plan of how much the players will get each with each production. Obviously, the main aim was to finish in the top three to qualify for the World Cup because I think if they win the final, they'll get something like 120,000 each. Okay, 120,000 each player. Yes. Let's talk about and how much... Mo- yes, sorry? From the sponsors. That's from the sponsors, Sassel. Okay, okay. Hopefully, Sapa will also top up there and give them more. And let's talk about how much do they actually get per game because there have been so many numbers being thrown around in the past couple of hours, the past couple of days ever since that qualification. I know you, you've done a story like this before. What what numbers? What are the numbers? In the story I did in August, um, speaking with some of the players, I found out that they get paid 4000 for a draw and 5.7 for a win. 4,000 for a draw, 5.7 for a win. Is that for the tournament or is it just for regular matches? For a competitive game. And is, is there something called an appearance fee? No, there isn't. No they, appear- they just get a stipend. They just get a stipend. Yeah. And how does this compare to the men's senior national team, Bafana Bafana? <laughs> it's not even in the same way as length. I mean, I think Bafana gets something like 60,000 for a win. And thirty thousand for a draw. Just repeat that. Sixty thousand. <laughs> I was counting. I think if if you count, it will take a lot for for the team combined to get what one Bafana player gets for a win. For a win. So yeah. it's sixty thousand rand for a win for a Bafana Bafana player, and thirty thousand rand for a draw. 
hopefully things will improve now after France qualification and obviously reaching the final of the women's AFCON? Yeah, I think it's for, for it to improve, it's not just on, on Safa. I think a lot of people have to come on board, especially corporates. I mean, it was funny seeing the My Way chief executives talking about wanting to to give the team some money and the players some money for, for what they've reached. And you could see that that was more of a publicity stunt than something that, that's genuine. Because if it was genuine, firstly, it would go through the proper channels and ruin something that would just appear on media. So I think the biggest stumbling block is corporate South Africa. Because when you look at it, Banyana only have one sponsor in Sasol. And and when you look at, at, at the the stuff that they have to deal with, not just the paying of players, but in terms of getting friendlies, the traveling, and all of that. I mean, that's financially exhausting. You would need a lot of people to come in and and so that and pitch in what they're offering so that you expand on that. I mean, because you look at part of the reason why Bafana gets so much is that there isn't only one source of income in terms of sponsorship. There are a number of sponsors who who come on board, and and almost every sponsor on the sponsor suffer. They want to sponsor Bafana, so that's where the money goes. And they basically, Safa now has to take that money and try and share with all the other structures. But but it still doesn't justify the patences that the women get. Okay, great stuff, Njabulo Ngidi. Thank you very much for uh, joining. Thank you very much for joining us, and we really appreciate your insight and also good luck uh, to the team for Saturday's Afcon final against Nigeria. Let's take a quick break. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. Okay, so let's move right along now and speak uh, to the sponsors, uh, Sasol, uh, just to find out how obviously they must be delighted uh, with this qualification for the FIFA Women's World Cup in France. And we are joined on the line by uh, Brenda Mupedi with Sasol. Brenda, good evening. I understand that you're in Ghana. Thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Good evening, Tabi. So, yes, I'm in Ghana. I've been here for the last 14 days with the team. I was actually there to witness when the team beat Nigeria. We were so excited. But moreover, we were so excited about the team qualifying for the FIFA World Cup. It reminded me of last year, 7th of September, when we were renewing the sponsorship for the next four years. Our senior vice president said to them, it's not negotiable. You have to qualify for the FIFA World Cup 2019, and they've done that. We are so proud. What will this qualification do for the Sasol brand, Brenda? Tabi, so I must say, uh, as a brand, we've been there for the last 10 years. Mm. And every time when you think about women's football and you think about corporate or you think about a brand, Sasol comes into mind. I mean, the love that we've received in the last nine years and also what we received in the last three days. It's so huge for us. We are so grateful. At the end of the day, as a brand, we are happy because what we started at the beginning in 2009, saying we want to develop women football, we want to develop women, we want to see women at, 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 at the big stage. We are achieving that and we are so grateful. And as a brand, I know I've noticed everywhere, everywhere, people are congratulating us and we are so proud. The most important thing is we are also proud for the team because it's all about the team as well.
and I know you've been with this team uh, and uh, you've supported their camps. You've been with them when they've been playing outside of the country. Why have you backed them through thick and thin? Tabi, so it's important that as a sponsor, uh, you look after your investment. One of the things that we do just to share with you and the listeners at home, as Sasol, as part of our leveraging plan we or activity, we include a videographer who does also syndication to broadcast at home. We take a photographer, we take a PR team so that the minute we are outside uh, South Africa, I mean, we've been to the USA, we've, the team has played in Olympics qualifier, AFCON qualifiers, we've played friendlies with Netherlands. We need to take the message back at home. And that's one of the things that we've done as a sponsor. And that's why you always see me traveling with the team, just to make sure that we are doing uh, our part and to ensure that the message, we send the message back at home. Mm. Was there ever a time where you felt you were not getting value for money or your bosses felt the sponsorship was not going anywhere? Um, you know what, Tabiso, more than anything as a brand, we've always believed in this sponsorship because when we started, it was about developing women football. And about five years ago, we then started to say we want to raise the standard of women football. And that was the objective. And towards now, last year, when we were saying they need to achieve this and that, mm. from people externally, yes, some used to say to us, you are sponsoring a losing team. <laughs> but so today they are saying a different tune. Uh, we've always, like I'm saying, our objective is clear. As a company, we get involved in something and based on objectives. And while we are investing and, and, and doing activities around that property, it's always about our objectives. And in the last 10 years, we feel that we've achieved what we wanted. And the standard of women football has risen so high we are anticipating to see more sponsors going to Sassol House and knock and say how can we get involved in women football. I was about to ask you now I would think that you've got first digs at whatever happens going forward now because all the sponsors will be coming in now we've already had some people saying they want to offer money to the teams but they must they come and talk to you first? They must go to Safa House first, you yeah. know, uh, that's the most important thing because they need to, to follow protocol. Obviously, if they want information as well, they, they, are, they, they are free to come to us. We've always said this boldly, Tabi, so that we need other corporates to come in because yes. alone we can't do it. Remember, we also sponsor a semi-professional league where yep. there's 144 teams in the nine provinces. There's about 3,600 players in that league. And that league is a feeder to the national team. The under-17, they've just been to the World Cup. We have girls from Sasso League, the under-20 and Banyana Banyana. And remember, the league is there to help uh, the players to play competitive matches over the weekend and as well we, 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 we've seen a great results where we have players playing in the USA in clubs in Australia we have a lot of players in scholarship in the USA mm. so uh, the reward has been so good and I'm saying to them yes please come in join but follow the protocol go to Safa House engage with the association and come on let's take this women football to another level and how has the relationship been with Safa over all these years? I know the Vice President Ria Lidoaba speaks glowingly about the sponsorship and about the tireless work of Sasol throughout the national championships, as you've mentioned, and also with Banyana Banyana. How's the relationship with Safa? 
It's been a good relationship, uh, Tabi. So we see ourselves as partners. We do do things together. Even right now here, there is media that we brought the site. They allow us to go to the team hotel to do interviews. Uh, The other day, they were in the bus to capture the players as they were celebrating. So um, for the last 10 years, it's been so good. They always take care of us. They come and inform us. We engage each other in a whole lot of of issues in regards to women football. Mm. And what are the expectations now from the team as the sponsors going forward? Or is it also still about that bigger picture, developing women's football? Yes, it's still about that, Tabi. So you know that the association has been talking about a, a professional league. At the same time, that professional league will help to uh, strengthen Banyana Banyana. We want to see the numbers growing of the players playing overseas to strengthen the team and also for players to get opportunities because there are more opportunities outside South Africa. And at the same time, as as a, as a company, we want them to qualify for the Olympics. You know, they've mm. done it twice. Uh, you know, we've got a look, look thing. It, it yes. was there with a much look, look yes. also. So we would like to see them qualifying for the next Olympics and just for the girls to go in to greater heights and achieving a lot. Some of them, they are getting scholarship and a lot of them, 80% of them, they've got degrees. Some of them uh, are working towards the degrees. You know that we've also uh, have a, a limitless campaign where we, are, yep. we take two players a year and they come into an internship with Sasol, our agency, Liveji, and, and, and Safa. So we just, we're just expecting to see the players getting uh, more results and more reward as individual at the end of the period. You said you signed a new deal last year, a four-year deal. Does the sponsorship value increase now with this World Cup qualification? So the, the deal was signed last year. Obviously, the deal has to increase based on the previous deal. So, and then the, the, this period will end in 2021. Okay, great stuff. And Amawila boys, are they still also part of you? Yes, Amawila boys are still part of us, Tabiso. Right now, they, they are in Angola. Uh, they're going to play a tournament there. They've been invited by Angola. There's, a, there's Switzerland as well. They are on the road to prepare for the Paralympics qualifier, which will be next year. Well, I'm sure they'll be inspired by Banyana Banyana's achievements as the wheelchair basketball team. Brenda, thank you very much for joining us and well done on the fantastic work. Sometimes the sponsors don't get the credit that they deserve and we thought we should give you a platform here just to come and understand the sponsorship better and give you uh, the respect that you deserve and the credit for getting behind this team when no one else was willing to. Thank you, Tabi. So we really appreciate that. Just a correction, I was listening to your interview with Njabulo, yeah. and thank you for that. And we are so proud of his award. In terms of the the the, the bonus, yes, it it, it is hundred and twenty thousand bonus, but a player will also get forty thousand of appearance fee. So in total, it's hundred and sixty thousand, and the 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 bonus structure and the fee structure is by Sasol and Safa. So the association is also part of this. I just wanted to correct that. Great stuff. Thank you very much because there have been so many numbers being thrown about and I'm glad that you've given us the correct number. So it's 120 topped up by 40,000 of the appearance fee. So it's 160,000. Yes, and then that's for position one. And if they are position two, they will get 75,000 bonus. 
plus 40,000 rand of appearance fee. That is great stuff, Brenda. Well done and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tabiso. Thank you. Up next, we go to Norway to find out how they got it right to get equal pay for the men's and women's senior national football teams. Call SAFM right now on 0891-104-207. Okay, Roxina has got tired of tweeting us. He's called us. Roxina, good evening. Thank you for calling us. Good evening, member. How are you? Fine, thanks. And you, member? I'm good. Yeah, member. First, let me thank Sasol for being there for our girls. Otherwise, we will be speaking different stories. Um, uh, as for Safa, I don't think Safa is taking our girls very seriously. I mean, it's not for the first time Banyana Banyana has been participating. They've been there for a long time. But yet, until today, we still have one sponsor as Sasol. I mean, sponsors, they don't come to you. You go to them and seek for sponsors. So I think also the lady from Sasol, I mean, was, I, I understand her for the relationship of them and Safa, she tried to be talk, to be modest. But I don't think Safa is serious about these girls. Okay, so they need they needed to capitalize earlier and see the vision and be pro and be proactive instead of being reactionaries, which is probably what's gonna happen now. Uh, they're gonna have to now react now and make sure that they got more people on board there. But take nothing away from Sasol for the wonderful work uh, that they've done. As promised, now let's go to Norway because history has been made that side with the male and female footballers signing a historic equal pay agreement. And Joachim Walton joins us on the line from the Players Association. Joachim, thank you very much. Good evening. Thank you for joining us here. Okay, I don't think that's what I was hoping for. Uh, We're going to try that again and see if we can get Joaquin Walton on the line there to understand better how the men and women national teams managed to get the same... um, same wages, same amount of money. Both sides now being paid a similar amount of money. It is a groundbreaking move, and uh, I think it's a model that can probably copied, uh, be copied rather by other associations and other uh, football associations around the world. And of course, we do know that the no- no- Norway's women's team is very, very, very uh, dominant. They're very competitive, and I think they win more than their men's team. And uh, we'll get there shortly. But let's go to Musa on the line. Musa, thank you for calling us. Good evening. We'll get there shortly, but let's go to Musa on the line. Musa, thank you for calling us. Good evening. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I just needed to switch off your radio because I can hear myself. Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Okay, that's better, Musa. Good evening. What's your comment? Yes, sir. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just want to comment about... Uh, I just want to appreciate what Sasol uh, is doing to Banyabanawajanya. And uh, I'm to sleep. And uh, also to congratulate Banyana Banyana for, for winning and qualifying to the finals. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Musa. Congratulating Banyana Banyana for reaching the final. Of course, it's not over yet. There is still that one match to go against Nigeria, which is the final on Saturday. And that one will kick off at 6 p.m. And as I've mentioned throughout the week, Banyana Banyana will return home on Sunday at 5.30 at OR Tambu International Airport. So if you are in and around, do go and welcome them back at the OR Tambu International Airport. Joachim is back on the line. Joachim, good evening. Can you hear us? Good evening. Yeah, I'm here now. Okay. Thank you very much, firstly, for joining us here on SAFM in South Africa. We really do appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice talking to you. Now, tell us about this historic equal pay agreement that was signed about a year ago now. How big an achievement, firstly, is this for the game? 
Well, apparently it was uh, an historic agreement, so it uh, reached some attention from all over the world. So be speaking to people from, yeah, U.S., England, uh, Australia, and even Aulia Serra. So it's reached a lot of attention, and uh, we saw how grateful the the female players w- were with the... Mm. As the union was, yeah, yes, was it was it was it tough negotiations? Whether was there any resistance from the FA or were the negotiations quite pleasant? No, we had to build up a good relation with the FA for for many years, and uh, when we saw that uh, the female players were used more for marketing, the timing was good to uh, to reach their level, and it was actually the the FA's own idea to make it totally equal. So we have to give credit to them for that. Mm. Am I wrong to say that the female team in Norway is very successful, probably even more than the men's team? No, that's correct. And we used to be uh, among one of the best in the world. But we also, on the women's side, we see many countries are doing much better. So we were kind of lacking behind. And, and this is also an investment to, to to make sure we stay at the top level. And, and for sure, we're doing the... International competition, the the female team has been doing better than the men's uh, team. That's correct. So even with that success of the female team, they were still getting much less than what their male counterparts were getting. Yeah, and they could say that you could justify by it's still generating more more money to the men's side to the transition from UEFA FIFA on them. On the money and, and the, the number of people watching the game, but uh, we see it as an investment to grow the women's game, and we, we for sure see now in Europe and also all over the world that the, the women's game is growing, and that's that's a very positive thing. Mm. Would you now say that you've sent the bench, you've set the benchmark for equal pay around the world, just in football in general? Yeah, if we did that, so that that's that's great. If so, and uh, it, it was maybe not the intention. We had to focus on on our own country and our own own players. But if we can help uh, other female players around the world, that we're really happy about that. I also understand, Joachim, that uh, the men also came to the party here during these negotiations, and they agreed to take a wage cut to help achieve this parity. Is that also correct? That's correct. Yeah, to make it uh, totally equally that they. Uh, it was maybe uh, just a symbolic decrease, so it didn't mean too much for them. But uh, anyways, it helped to, to find uh, the solution, and uh, they, they they deserve also some credit for that, the, the, the male players. And they were really happy to help the, um, the female colleagues, and uh, they showed their respect to, to each other, and that was also a very positive outcome of, of this uh, agreement. And what are the figures and numbers that we're talking about here? Just to give us an idea, probably, how much of an increase uh, the women have received now? Uh, if you say in, in dollars, it's about, uh, let's just say, $650,000 um, a year uh, for each of the teams. 650000 Yeah, you could say that. I think that's a rough estimate. Okay. So they will get that uh, for uh, for the marketing rights and and for the um, taking part of the of the games throughout the year. And also, it's also equality on on the uh, if they uh, qualify for the Euros, Euro European Championships, or the World Cup. It's also both teams getting twenty twenty five percent of the amount the federation gets from uh, FIFA and UEFA. Ah, so what's happened now is that the federation now is is paying equally compared to before. That's correct. Yeah, and we still have hard work. It's, uh, 
being much less the to the male teams qualifying for, for instance, the World Cup. So even if it's equal with 25 percent, the the, the, ex, uh, the exact amount will be will be uh, a lot lower for the for the female teams there if they qualify. So so we have to work to increase the the amount uh, they transfer from FIFA, and they we saw now that they will increase this amount, but it's still a, a long way to go. And uh, but on the upside. Uh, the female team actually normally have been qualifying for the championships, yeah. and the men's side uh, has not done that since the year 2000. Uh, so what you're telling us, Joachim, is that it is possible to achieve equal play, equal pay, because previously we've been told that, no, it's an issue of sponsorship, it's marketing, it's who's more marketable, how many fans go to the stadiums and all sorts of things. Yeah, but if we continue with these explanations, you can you can do that, but then we'll, you will never grow the game, so... You, you have to pay them for what they deserve, the, the work they're doing, and also it's an investment to grow the game. So I cannot speak for all other countries, but, but to us it's been a very good uh, agreement, and also the Federation is so happy with the, with the, the positive feedback they get for, from this uh, investment and uh, from making this, uh, this deal. Great stuff. Joachim, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us. We really do appreciate it here on SAFM in South Africa. My pleasure, and good luck in your country. Thank you. We're definitely going to try and follow suit. That is uh, uh, Joachim Walton from the Norway Players Association telling us about their fight and how they were able to succeed and, and able to achieve equal pay for the senior men's and women's football national team, regardless of what you get told about sponsorship or about who the return on investment or about who fills up the stadiums or about how many eyeballs watch on TV. He says that for them, the bigger picture is about investment in the women's game and that's their selling point and that's why they've been able to achieve this so it is possible at SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter hey, we do have a voice note on this topic uh, let's go to it evening Tabiso this is Peter from Middleburg uh, I don't have much to say but what I can say I would just like to congratulate Sasol and the good work that they are doing I wish all the corporates out there in South Africa can learn from Sasol that development is not about getting a return in financial, but getting a return get, uh, when you get uh, respect from other countries. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And uh, that, uh, okay, sorry, I didn't get your name there. And uh, also on Twitter, somebody says that uh, the Norwegian FA has done the right thing. Safa will follow suit in 2037. We also had an interview with Mr. Solimu Wang. We've spoken to him previously on the show. He's a brand and reputation specialist. And we wanted to find out now how do Safa capitalize on this brand? How do they maximize now with this World Cup qualification? And we had a chat with him just before the show well it's good i mean look uh they have been underestimated underrated but, you know there are two ways to look at this one could say they've been underrated because they're women women soccer players have never been taken seriously and and considered to be at the same level as men uh, i think this is going to create opportunities for media for positive media coverage but also we in the in, in a period where the rights of women are a big thing in south africa and around the world I think they need to be the whole issue about equal pay for equal 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 work. It's big. It should also be big for soccer players, especially female soccer players. I mean, this 
has failed in recent years to position South Africa as a as a as a as a party to as a country to reckon with, you know, from a sports perspective. So this this playlist are giving us an opportunity for a limelight at the World Cup of World, World um, Soccer Cup in, uh, in 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 France next year. But I think that brands which are smart should also see this as an opportunity to position themselves because there's going to be a lot of media coverage. These guys, mm. these guys are now qualified. They're going to France. Uh, any brand that is that is smart should already be embracing them. And what kind of brands now do you expect to come out and, and come on board and associate with this uh, team? Because obviously there must be the right fit also. Yeah, look, the same brands that 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 fund uh, male soccer should not be. There, there shouldn't be any brands for millennials and brands for males. Uh, Levi should also be there. I mean, all these sports brands that have been big, they're the bank, they, the bank, Hapsa should also be there. NetBank should be there. All these guys who've been putting a lot of money into male soccer should should come up and say, you know what, we are embracing this. It's an opportunity, it's a historic opportunity also, because uh, they, up to now, as I say, female soccer was, was, was not taken seriously. It was little entertainment mm-hmm. on the sidelines, as it were. It's it the way catching razors. The real issue, the real thing was happening with, with, with men. So I think if I were running a big brand or Discovery Health, for instance, with Discovery Health is uh, is going to launch it's just launched this new bank. I think here's an opportunity for them to say how do we leverage the the, the rising star of the Banyana Banyana uh, to, to 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 play around issues of financial security. You know, a lot of women get married, and many times when the divorce happens, the men the men walk away with all the money. So here's an opportunity for a bank like Discovery to say how do we create special. Uh, accounts, special uh, special dispensations for, for women professionals. How do we help them uh, uh, take the money that they're earning and not and not waste it? As it were, make enable them to save for the future. How do we how do we embrace women in in uh, empowerment? Um, I think this, there are many opportunities. One one can look at this from a purely sports perspective because it should also be looked at as a purely sport, amazing sporting perspective. But it's also an opportunity to say how do we now Take uh, um, put uh, everything that's been said into 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 action in terms of uh, creating opportunities for women who are professional and who are going to position this country. The president should also take advantage of it. The sports minister should take advantage of it. He has an opportunity for South Africa to finally be back at a World Cup and uh, in, in the glare of the media. How do we leverage all of this, South Africa? The same thing that we've been doing for say, someone like. Uh, 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 the 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 asset. Um, um, yeah, what we used to do for Oscar Pistoria. Let's do it for Banyana Banyana Banyana. And Safa as the association, how do they cap- capitalize from this? Do they sit and wait for the brands to come to them? Do they go and sell their product? Well, well, you know, Safa has also, as a brand, has been suffering. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Safa could also look at this as an opportunity to revitalize excitement around it. Uh, I mean, it, it has had its own issues. Uh, it has not been succeeding in getting stadium stadia to be filled. You know the stories. I think that people should look at the female soccer as from a totally fresh perspective. That is empowering that is but that's also respectful you don't want to take advantage of it because they are winning you know we, this is what we tend to do in south africa we until the community starts and we start embracing it 
But here's an opportunity for, for Safa to, to come up with a plan, not not to get a reactionary plan. Well, it's, at some level, it will be reactionary, you know, because, you know, these guys are already out there. But they should come up and say, so now we're seeing this opportunity here. How do we put money? How do you help them uh, campaign for, 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 for more funding, not only for the, the, the payment to each individual uh, soccer player in, in the latest team, but also for, 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 for more sponsors to embrace these guys as, as a serious uh, brand to, uh, to the corner with, and that's what they could use. I mean, it, as I say, I think people don't need too much pushing. It's an opportunity, and you have to be foolish and short-sighted as a brand, as a brand that takes uh, yourself seriously if you don't look at opportunities and start acting now before before these guys become covered. Okay, Soli, we have to leave it there. Mr. Soli Moeng, a brand and reputational expert, they're just telling us how we can take this brand that is Banyana Banyana forward. That is our time. Now I'll end with this SMS from Devin from PE saying, maybe we should have Banyana Banyana versus Bafana Bafana and see who will be the true performers. I'll tell you what, there was a media team I wasn't part of. Went to go cover Banyana Banyana training session. Decided to challenge them to a friendly match and they got hammered 8-1. Eight, Banyana Banyana won the media team. Guys, you know who you are. I'm not going to call you by names. I know that you're not proud of that, but that's what happened the last time somebody decided to challenge Banyana Banyana. Our time is up. My name is Tabiso Musia.